You know, like when someone's talking, you just kind of tune out, and then you come back and you're like, oh, fuck, what were they saying? What happened? Excuse me. I did that with Ronnie a couple times. No, it wasn't like I tuned out. It was just like he said something, and I started thinking about it, and I went off and it just started daydreaming. Oh, you were inspired by something he said, not like... Sure. I'm excited to hear that because, like I said, I went home, researched him a little bit, realized who he was. I want to hear the transition, the evolution of Ronnie. Do you know when someone's saying yeah. a lot of like shit that's really, really exciting you? It's like, and you're like, wow, wow. They're making you think, they're making you think, they're making you think. And then they say something, you're like, oh, fuck, this person's crazy. Does that mean all the <laughs> shit they said is hogwash? I, I, I was like... I really like him and I really enjoyed the conversation, but at some points I was like, all right, slow it down. Like dole this out slowly. Like, don't tell me you believe in fairy dust after you just talk to me about the importance of a healthy diet. Cause then all of a sudden I'm like, hmm, did that healthy diet you just talked to me about? Mm-hmm. Is that all fairy dust too? Yeah. I find myself trying to poke holes constantly in people like that. And I started that thing off having a total negative attitude about it. I was like, this guy's so full of shit. By the end I was like, meh. I got some good takeaways. You know, I think some stuff that he has to say, I really, I really liked. I don't know if I understood it all, but do people get to that point in life just as another way of being against the grain, like a contrarian, basically? I think he has two things going on. I think he's like in a, he's like, have you ever read? For sure. Have you ever read Richard Bach's Illusions? No. Have you read it? Have you read so many books? I don't believe half of these books that you've, uh, you've actually the cliff read. Notes, the cliff notes of it. <laughs> like a third grader could read that book. I'm going to tell you this story. I'm going to tell you the beginning. But we have Jason Ackerman in the house. Today we're going to talk about um, affiliates. Uh, when when Jason was first introduced to me, I was told he owned three affiliates and um, he sold three affiliates. And yesterday we had him on the podcast and we talked and what was interesting about it. Oh, Leaf's calling. On my cell phone. Leaf had pick it a, up. Pick it up. Leaf pick it up. Leaf had a baby. Leaf's head of CrossFit Publishing. Um, Leaf's head of CrossFit Publishing. I haven't talked to him in two days because he thinks because he, he had a baby, he can fucking vanish for <laughs> he just 36 baby. hours. Karina Pearl. Hey, are you Edmondson. coming to work today? Dude, you're screaming into the microphone right now. You can lower your, your mic. Uh, you can lower yeah. your headset. So, Leaf, are you coming to work today? <laughs> I just, uh, you're not a podcast. You're introducing me as if this is live. Oh, this is like his, tis, this is tis. his worst nightmare. Uh, Just tell me, are you gonna come? How many hours ago did the baby come out? Uh, she came out at two a.m. the night before last. So okay. that's what. So that's twelve hours uh, ago. He should be able no. to. No, Thirty-two hours. That's ago. well over twenty-four hours. Where the hell is he? Oh, I hear you have a kid with you. His baby's talking already. That kid's such a quick learner. Yeah, my two and a half year old with me. Hey, it's ten twenty, and you're not here, and you have your kid with you. That concerns me. You know the open yeah, is today, right? I know. I might come in for that. Oh, cool. How <laughs> nice of you to show up. Head of CrossFit Publishing, you're going to show up for the Open. That's really cool. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, should have planned the baby better. Right. He should have. I don't even talk to you on air. Okay. Well, then call back in an hour and a half because Jason Ackerman's going to drop some important shit. Okay, awesome. I'm going to go to do swim lessons and then... Uh, oh, my okay. God. You're such... <laughs> He's learning how to swim late in life. He's enjoying that, that paternity leave. Bye. Have a good day. Right. Congratulations yeah. on the baby. Do you get... Paternity leave here? I think so. I'm sure you do. Well, how long is standard paternity leave? I don't know. How long do you take? So a couple of years, Savon? Are you coming back soon? <laughs> you, you know what it is? I mean, some people could even bring their kids to work. It's so lax here. As long as you're doing your job, there's no, like, really rules. Yeah, could, but sometimes people bring their kids here, and it's like... 
Oh yeah, you bring your ten year old here and he's fucking doing backflips in the hallway and like yeah, telling you how great much. his dad is. Pat Sherwood. <laughs> um, <laughs> yesterday his two sons are like, tell me, do you know Pat? They're like, bra- they're walking on the halls bragging about their dad. I'm like, go fuck yourself. No, I didn't. They were doing flips. I'm in the middle of the workout downstairs. They were just doing back tucks on this mat. I'd be proud if if uh, Pat Sherwood was my dad too. Seven. <clears throat> Are they the first sponsor? We don't have a sponsor. The truth is this. We drink a shitload of LaCroix on the show because I like sparkling water. Yeah, I love it. And um, then someone in the hallway is like, hey, you know, Zevia is our sponsor for the CrossFit Games. And I know the guy who owns the company, Patty, uh, redheaded guy. Super nice guy. Yes, super nice. And I've told him, I was like, dude, I wish you made sparkling water. I could, but just like, you know, and I like these cans because they're little. They make my hands look big. But it's a tonic water. Uh, yeah, I just, I just sip it really slowly. There's no sugar in it. It's pretty sweet. You just got to get that daily dosage of quinine. Um, <laughs> isn't that the stuff you would mix usually with like gin? Gin tonic. Um, this makes my hands look big That's and my, uh, and my nose look big. It's a trade off. I try not to drink it on camera. Oh, it does. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Matt. God, today's When really I said good. you should always agree with me, I didn't mean that. <laughs> Speak, um, speaking of... I found out I'm Ashkenazi. You, you are. Yeah, I text my mom after the podcast. So wow. Mom, what are we? Man, you just became like the smartest person in the U.S. In the room, at least. <laughs> in, definitely in the room. I think you had that already. You should have kids. <laughs> you should have brought yours in. Roz is ready. I'm, I'm ready. But having seen yours live may have made an impact on us. Yeah, you guys should come. I'm going to have Pat come over. I think that if he sees my kids, he'll have some. I'm, I'm excited. I like what you said where they're just like, they're indestructible. That's, that sounds fun to me. Oh, they're all, yeah, they're indestructible. They just fall off of couches and chairs and they don't give a fuck because they're little. They're made to fall. I'm sweating already. Take your wristband off. <laughs> Ronnie T. Oh, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Or, or use it. Right? Is uh, that what it's for? No, it's to keep me warm. Oh, I thought it was like a, no, you wipe your brow. No. Um, or Ronnie Teasdale spent the night last night. I mean, in the guest room. Guess I had a sleepover? I, I woke up this morning. He was playing catch. He's playing baseball in the living room with my son. I guess seven in the morning. Yeah, your, your, your kids need to learn how to... Avi needs to learn how to throw. I'm just... No, no. Jason Kalipa needs to learn how to throw. What the fuck are you talking about? He needs to learn I don't know. I was playing basketball with him the other day, and I was like, a kid's got some quarter extremity. Like, he's not, he's not quite there yet. He's, got, he's violating the quarter yeah. extremity? movement pattern already dude you took that personally don't He's take that personally <laughs> why, did, why did you take that personally that's that it, it, <laughs> i felt like that was harsh i would have taken that personally oh good matt i want to talk to you um after the podcast is over <laughs> please please report to the principal's please office. stay after the podcast is over <laughs> say anything about savan but you can't go to the kids <laughs> there's there's this book richard bach illusions in the and in, in it's a it's, this, it's a story called the reluctant messiah and um but anyway, in the first 10 or 15 pages of the book, there, there's like a preface, and it's like a short story before the story begins. And there are these creatures, and they're holding on to the bottom of a river. That's what they do. They live on the bottom of a riverbed. There are these creatures. And they hold on, and that's their whole existence is holding on to this riverbed. And there's times when the river is flowing hard, and they have to hold on extra tight. And there's times when the river isn't flowing hard, and they can just be more relaxed. But either way, there's this constant tension they live with their entire life of holding on to the bottom of the riverbed, Right? Finally, one of the creatures that does this for, you know, that's his existence. He says, you know, I'm tired of this bullshit. I don't want this to be my existence. I'm going to let go. And all the other ones like, no, no, don't let go. No, let go. Don't let go. 
and he lets go. And he floats up to the top of the river and the river's like crazy tumultuous and tossing him and thrashing him and, and just life is just chaotic up there and he, he's in sheer terror. And, or she, I don't know if it was a he or she. And um, once a few days pass and things settle and this creature gets used to living on the top of the stream. And then a few more days pass and it's even more comfortable and it starts to actually enjoy going downstream. And then it sees, oh my God, I'm, I'm getting to see the entire river and it's looking down and it's watching the stream and it's looking up and looking at the sky. And it's like, oh my God, this is amazing and I'm free. And one day he's going down the stream and he sees he passes another clan that he never knew existed that's the exact same creatures that he is clinging to the bottom. And as they see him go overhead, they think he's like a god, a superhero because he can float down the stream. I, I want to read this book now. And that's what Ronnie Teasdale, in my mind, is doing. He's one of those creatures. Like, he let go. He's, yeah, he's trying to let go. Trying or he did? Um, I, he, only he would know that. I would say trying. Yeah, only, only he would know that. I, I, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? I can't. I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you said that you saw parallels between or similarities between Ronnie and yourself, a younger Savon. It's not important. This podcast is about Jason Ackerman. (laughs) This is more interesting than I am. My question for you is, do you you think you ever let go? You owned three CrossFit gyms, and you sold them all. Most of all, because like I said yesterday, I'm a small part of CrossFit Soul Shine still. The most intriguing part of that to me is, is that you owned one, sold it, then owned another one, sold it, and then owned another one, sold it. And all of them um, sound like um, unique experiences. Yes. And when you spoke about them briefly on yesterday's podcast, it was interesting because on on all of them you reflected – well, definitely the first two you reflected on how you wish you would have done things a little differently relationship-wise with the the new owners. So – I, th- I think that's that's we should talk about that. We should talk about. Are you, are you going to own a fourth affiliate someday? I don't have the intention of owning another affiliate right now, but I really enjoy owning an affiliate. So I wouldn't say never. It would have to be at the right, more most importantly, the right place. As in, actually, I'm in a place where I want to stay, and I don't know that I'm there currently in Florida, so. I'm probably not going to open anything anytime soon, and I really enjoy the box that I go to and I coach at, but I don't want to say I'll never own one. Florida is the place where Jews go to die. It's funny. You move down there, and eventually <laughs> you die. Yeah. It is. I mean, that's where they go. That's where they all escape, right? It's in our DNA. We have to. You have to move to Florida yeah, it's at like some at, point. At 69, if you don't go, or 70, you turn into a pumpkin. Yeah, that's what someone said. You know, There's something wrong with Florida. My parents moved there. 30 years later, they died. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're in Naples now? Yes. Um, I shit you not that when I went to Naples to visit Blaze CrossFit in 2008 or 9, Haley and I were there. We were the only people we saw who didn't have gray hair. I mean, now I have gray hair. It's not as old as people think. And I think it's also a oh, matter dude. of what you're doing. Oh, dude. At the box, I'm old. 
Really? I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a woman who's in her 70s and her husband goes with her. So there's older people, but I would say the median age, there's, I'm training with mostly 20 and 30-year-olds. Um, uh, are there a lot of trophy wives? Yeah, there's there's some good-looking wives down there. A lot of surgeries. By trophy, I mean um, a massive age discrepancy. Um, Not at the box. I'm sure they're in general down in Naples, but at the box you get normal people that are just coming in to be healthy and fit. Matt's wife is 10 years younger than him. Oh, I didn't Six, realize that. I'm not allowed to talk about her on the show. What? <laughs> you showed me the wedding yesterday. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, that was that was cool. Thank you. After I, I built you, I said, man, Savon always brings the wedding up. It's such a special moment in his life. It is. <laughs> it was really cool. Um, especially because like, I don't really understand weddings, but then I cried at his wedding. Did you have an official wedding? Uh, oh, we went to the courthouse. And a, and a Chinese lady with a really, really thick accent, like you get, did our wedding vows and the whole thing. Like I could barely understand what the fuck she was saying. But um, after the wedding was over, she told me her name. And then she goes, in English, that means like peace and serenity. And then I, and that kind of almost made me choke up a little bit. I was like, holy mm. shit. <laughs> Not the wedding, but her name. <laughs> While they were saying the vows at Matt's wedding back and forth, I told Haley, I said, all, all that shit. That's what I think about you. Like I love you. Like the way they're saying good. stuff. You just good. <laughs> same, same Haley. Yeah, use it to your advantage. I mean, it was the truth. They were saying some beautiful shit. I'm like, that's how I feel about you. That you know. I, I've never been able to express it, but <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I know I just bone you and go to sleep, but, but I'm thinking some of this shit in between. Once in a while. <laughs> um, how is your lady younger than you? She's, yeah, six or seven years. So maybe yeah, she's a trophy wife. You know, the um, <laughs> the president, I think he's the president of France. I think his wife is like 20 years older than him. Older? It's his old high, it's his old, it's either the high school principal he went to or, or his high school teacher. And they had an affair when he was in high school and it was in France. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> it's not frowned upon. No, it's not like here. <laughs> and um, and uh, his mom forbade the relationship. And he's like, well, I'm going to marry her. It always comes back to that. Yeah, and he married her. He's just doing it because mom doesn't want him to. And she's so she's very she's very attractive. He's very attractive. They're an attractive couple. No, not those two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there. Good for him. And good for her. Yeah, good for her. Look at her dress is kind of confusing. It has four zippers in the front, or her it's jacket. Got, it's got kind of a it's bondage nice. element to it, right? I don't think a zipper should ever be used as decoration. It should be a strictly functional. <laughs> okay, what were we talking about? Selling gyms, CrossFit gyms. Chris Cooper. Let's see if we can work Chris Cooper. And yesterday when the podcast was over, you were saying like, hey, man, like everyone should go to Chris Cooper. I think if you own an affiliate, you should access Chris Cooper to some extent, whether it's get his mentorship, read his book. The dude knows what he's doing and what he's talking about and whatever you pay him you will make back do you get a cut of his business i should after this <laughs> oh, after this rule. no but i i used him at my first box i i used him before i think because i remember he sent me like a pdf version of his book it was before it was published did he charge you for it no at the time but i, I think i was paying for his mentoring and um super helpful i think it was a big part of why i was able to sell the box Explain that. You just put systems into place. I think for a lot of box owners, 
we do this because we love it. When I started Albany CrossFit, I was just a trainer looking to have a little more time and make a little more money. You know, if I can train two to four people in this hour, it means three less hours I have to work, but I'm making more in that hour. You know, CrossFit comes around and I start doing that, but I'm really just a trainer. I have no, I was a business minor in, in college, not, I didn't pay attention. I just needed to declare a minor. I have no idea. I couldn't get, accounting was challenging for me. So it was more so, every decision I made was, do I think this is best for the business? But it wasn't because of business. He made me stop and think about that a little bit. And that was eight years into the box. How did you get turned on to him? I want to say Josh Murphy. Okay. I don't, mm. I just remember he connected me somehow because this was before Cooper was as big as he is in this space. It was more. Is he big in this space now? I think so. I think a lot of boxes will have heard of him and maybe a couple other mentorship programs. And I don't know the other ones. I just like his because to me it's important that in anything you're going to lead by example and and be a part of it. He owns a box. There's people out there that are offering all this stuff to boxes that don't own boxes and have never have. They don't get it. It would be like, hey, try CrossFit. I don't do it. Yeah, I want to say there's 400 affiliates in the uh, there's a Facebook group for Two Brain Business. You know, it's 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 crazy about his business too. Um, I think he said he spends 30 hours a week speaking to affiliates on the phone. I after he was on here, I went and I had looked at his site. And, well, you can still book a free phone call with him. Yeah, it's crazy. I was like, this guy still has phone calls. If I because I was at I thought he'd be at the point where he's like, hey, you talk to my team. Right. You can get on the phone with him for free. And I, I, I just imagine how much. He, so he's always getting more knowledge. So the first day he started work, he probably and he talked to his first client. Probably ninety percent of what they said was new to him. And then the second, you know, after a year, eighty percent was new. But even if he's only learning one new thing a day, he still probably is the largest single person who's a repository of knowledge on how to run an affiliate, right? Well, well, that's the thing. If, if your goal is to heal people and put food on your table, that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, if you're, you mean as far as being an affiliate owner? Like that's the point of an affiliate to 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 offer people health and fitness and then put food on your own plate. Yeah, and I think his what Chris will say is most people do it completely out of whack. It's only to heal people. And his recent article that I saw he shared was all about being a martyr, where we're afraid of making money as an affiliate owner. And I I was there. It wasn't that I was a, afraid or guilty of it, but. You just didn't want everybody to know. It was more like you try to keep it on the download. I'm I'm not one that even, no matter how much money I had or have, I'm not gonna buy a super fancy car. Right, it's not me. I was I was driving a Prius and a Honda CRV, but I didn't want my members. I was doing it more because I don't want my members to think I have all this money. Yeah, you don't want to roll up on a hundred thousand dollar Escalade. Yeah, and then they're like, why am I paying this guy one hundred fifty dollars a month? But I think too many business owners, affiliate owners, are just Afraid they they feel bad making money, but that, that's slowly starting to shift. It's okay, and it, you can only heal people if you're putting food on your table. Mm -hmm. If you're not doing that, it doesn't matter what kind of coach you are. You're gonna have to get a real job, you know. So and ideally, speak. ideally, I guess your coach is sleeping on a nice mattress so that he comes to work rested and ready to. A nice bed helps. To coach to yeah, when you when you. 
I want, I want to kind of summarize your, your first affiliate because we talked about it so much and then, and then I'll hand the ball off to you. When you, um, you opened your first box, it was in a racquetball court. Um, the, the place had like 16 racquetball courts. It was a racquetball court club with some Nautilus equipment. Mm -hmm. And, um, you took over one of the racquetball courts and the owner knew that sort of the racquetball business wasn't in its heyday. It had been on the decline for a few years. And did you play racquetball? I played handball. Oh, wow. I played a little racquetball, but... Mm. And you've I, never been to prison? No, it's handball <laughs> big in prison. Yeah. yeah is it? Oh, okay. One wall, probably. So there's a difference. Oh. One wall is where you just have one wall, and you're yeah. playing with a little bit of a softer ball. Yep. So I got really involved in handball when I was managing the box, or the, the gym there. And it hurts. It, until you get used to it. But I would travel all over the country and play. Handball. It's a really fun that, that's sport. That's where there's goals on each side, right? No, well, that's the other handball. It's uh, like the manly that's... version of spike ball. Spike ball is the emasculated is Portlandia manly. version of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> handball spike ball is the feminine version of... Uh, oh, I'm going to get so much it's, hate. <laughs> handball Just is stop. the same as racquetball without a racket, and it's a smaller, harder ball. So you put gloves on. We, what you would do is you go into the locker room, you fill the sink up with hot water. And you just soak your hands in hot water. Yeah. And you soak your hands in hot water, and then you kind of hit them together, and it gets your hands ready. But you get a lot of bone bruises. Your huh. hands will turn purple. But it's it's a it's a challenging sport because you have to use your left side. This is, this is what I would, that's what I would That's like the other handball. I wonder if Emily Abbott is uh, handball or spike ball. If she is? or Yeah, like what, what, what she prefers. I think she would dominate. Spike or handball, handball, spike ball, probably not so much. She's working on her feminine side. Is she? Yeah, she is. What does that even mean? I don't need to check her blog. Oh, oh, oh okay. she's coming March 23rd. It, no, no, is yeah, that, no, yeah. Are March we, 23rd. We're making that public, we're saying it right I mean, here. I'm just letting you know. Okay, looks like it's set in stone. You move from one court to two courts to three courts to four courts to five courts. Correct. The business was flourishing, huge. It was. I think at our peak, 500 members. Wow. Um, you were in Albany, New York? Uh, Albany. So for probably the first three or four years, I was the only box within 50 miles. And this was from 2007 to 2010? About then, slowly, some boxes started opening. One of my coaches left. Like The whole typical you know, CrossFit scenario where your coaches leave. I think at this point in that area, there's probably 20 boxes from my coaches and members. For people who don't know, oh, Albany, cool. New York is the capital of New York State, which is on the East Coast of the United States. It's about three-hour drive from New York City. Yeah, three hours from the city. Inland. Uh, how many people live in Albany? No idea. Eric can tell you. You guys are tight. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Maciel does all the things on the podcast that are good that he never gets credit for. Really? Only 100,000 people? No That's way. 2016. What a sh uh, small. So I had 500 of them coming to the box. What That's, percentage is that? It's like, wow. That's a big percentage. That's a, it's a half a percent. Yeah, half percent. That's crazy. 500 members? How many square feet? Well, every racquetball court was 800. <clears throat> so at the peak, 4,000, but that's usable floor space. Yeah. The benefit of being at the court club was we had a full locker room with sauna, steam room, hot tub. Mm -hmm. You'd walk oh, in. You have the bar right. area upstairs that you saw mm -hmm. yesterday. Well, how many square feet was the entire facility? 100,000? Yeah. It was I mean, every 
Court every court, was 800, every... a Nautilus room, an aerobic room, a spin room. Mm. So you were 4,000 square feet inside of a massive 50 or 100,000 square foot fitness facility. Yeah, for, for that, yeah, usable. We had three courts on one side, two on the other. You so could teach multiple classes at the same time? You, We could, and we did, and I think ultimately that was a mistake. Why is that? Some aspects of it, I think... Like we said yesterday, there was that point in CrossFit where it's like a big push. Like, I want to be an athlete. I want to go to the games. Mm -hmm. So because we had two spaces, it allowed people to do their own thing in one of those spaces. Oh, yeah. And it caused a little bit of a divide at the box. And it was something I would encourage. I wouldn't yes for advice yesterday. One piece I would give affiliates is have your programming, whatever that is. I would recommend following CrossFit.com. And allow your members to do just that yeah in a, in a class that's class it setting. the classes and the community is where it's at if you think you're doing something smarter or better than that you're wrong mm. it doesn't matter how smart you think you are with your programming what you're doing if the members don't want to show up and have fun it's it's not going to work and you get all this so so many people are i think you know people well, what program should i do how should i do it this is free, and you get. Which, how should I scale it? Jason, how should I do this? Jason is pointing to the screen, and the screen is showing um, CrossFit training on Instagram, where there every single day there is a wad, a detailed warm up, a training plan, a lesson plan, um, everything you need basically to to run the business on the on the product side. If okay, so I've, I'm an owner. I have a coach who just came back from their level one. You put them through your internship process, whatever that is. They're not going to be able to do this off the top of their head, the lesson plan. This is out there free. And I get it. It's it's challenging to follow maybe .com live. What do I do on rest days? All of that stuff. So follow two weeks behind. Screenshot these or do whatever you do. Put it on a Google Doc. And then you have it done for you. It's like... You have X amount of hours in your, I don't know why I said X, you have 24 hours in your day. Mm -hmm. Why are you spending time and effort creating programming that's not better? And, you know, today we're going to hit 18.1 or tomorrow. These are the guys that are telling us what to do. I, what did I do a couple of weeks ago? Dumbbell deadlifts and presses. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh. Or, you know, 10 front squats and box jumps. The same people putting that out there are the same people that are going to dictate what workouts we're doing for the next five weeks. Mm -hmm. When I started CrossFit in 2000, um, end of 2006 or mid-2006, I quickly realized in the, in the community, in the online community, there weren't a lot of affiliates then, that it was kind of the gold standard was to be able to follow .com even if you scaled for a year. So it's kind of a, a, a um, badge of honor to say, hey, I do .com. And, and still at HQ, I feel like that's the badge of honor. Like all the staff here, like if you follow .com, it's like no matter what your score is, you follow .com for a year and it's like because you, you get a little stripe. Yeah, that, because it takes balls to do it. Right. And, and there's accountability and there's a little bit of stress. And that being said, um, I never I, – I always wonder why um, – gyms do their own programming and, and like I kind of get it because it is fun doing your own programming I did my own programming for you know a couple years and I will say that it was the least fit that I ever was 
you programmed for yourself. Yeah. Well, that's a mistake as well. <laughs> you know, and, and and not to knock boxes that are doing. I didn't it. do a single rope climb or wall ball and, in and those that's, two years. I avoid that stuff too. I'd be like, oh, let's back squat again today. But you know, and I don't want to knock boxes that are doing their own. You know, the box I go to, they they do great programming, but it, it's CrossFit programming, if you will. In other words, it's one workout a day. It's constantly varied functional movements. It's that's the goal there. And other reasons would be, well, we have limited space. We have limited equipment. I would tell you, cool, you can modify what CrossFit puts out there. Or maybe you live in a cold place and yesterday was eight rounds of 400-meter runs and you don't always want to default to rowing. So maybe you do some different modifications of the workouts, but I get it. There's a reason, but at least be programming CrossFit. If you're programming strength and Metcon or three parts to – Every day, you're doing your your members a disservice. Did you did you follow .com at your my last box? Yeah. So how about your first box in Albany? At times, there were you know over over eight years of owning Albany CrossFit, we went through waves of what we would do. I mean, when I first opened, it was literally like, "Hey, what do you guys want to do today? Like, let's throw mm. the kitchen sink up there." That's what they and. You know, I didn't know any better. I made mistakes. You know, but sometimes it was dot com. How many members? At the at when I first started. When I opened when you used the to doors, do that, like, hey, let's pick a workout together. I would say the day I opened the, my doors, I probably had twenty members. And you would do that within the first class would come in and you'd get on the whiteboard and be like, What do you guys want to do? Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't coach the morning class. My very first thing I did was get a morning coach uh -huh. for the five thirty, but then I coached every class beyond that. He would kinda have his own bubble. He he took his level one, and we just we met each other on the old CrossFit message board, and right when I opened, he's like, I want to come in. This is great that there's someone doing this, and he would kind of live in his bubble, and then the rest of the box or the rest of the members would do whatever I told them, mm. and all you had be like, somebody be like, can I make today's work? I'm like, sure, do it, whatever, <laughs> and. It was just fun. We used to do all those old school pain storms. Remember back oh, on the yeah, affiliate page? Yeah. We'd do those once a month. We would do, we would do that. Um, we just had a really good time. I'd, I had four women all in their 60s, and they were competing to see who got the first pull-up. Even back then, you had four women in their 60s. Because my original members were my, were my clients. So I had four women. I had Susie, Donna, Diana, and Noreen. Wow. With Lenora, maybe five, and and Donna's now. Lenora's like, like I was only forty nine. You, <laughs> <laughs> she's great now. She's like really heavily into strongman. Uh huh. But wow. It's, it's awesome. She's wow. You can, cool. she, you can find Lenora. Herself. You will be back. She's enjoy your strong. But she day. still does it at the box. Yeah. And goes in. She's strong. Um, Donna's almost eighty. She had she has a metal rod in her back, like she had no flexion in her spine. Did you she, say she has a metal rod in her butt? And then I don't know where else she has one, but in her, in her, in her back for sure. Uh -huh. And she got her first pull up. She still goes. They all still go to Albany CrossFit, which is really cool that they still go in there and, and, and train. They used to come over on like Friday nights when I was nothing crazy happened when I was mm. a single guy. And like we would have dinner get togethers. And then, you know, once I opened, they were like, yeah, we want to keep doing whatever you tell us to do. That's awesome. That's I, cool. I, I was at dinner. Um, uh, there was a doctor's seminar in Aromas last week where 40 physicians came and took their L1. Cr crazy, by the way. It, it's like um, 
you know, physicians are kind of like in an echo chamber, right? For 15 years, they're in school or whatever, and then they go to the hospital, and all they do is hear their own shit back and forth, that they're right about this, that they're right about that, and the only information that they're getting is from pharmaceutical reps and people trying to sell them, you know, different kinds of valves for the heart. It's just a giant business. And then you get these, you know, you I guess you, you could call them disruptors, but people who, who doctors who see see the issues going on in the hospital and see that like hey they can help repair uh, a bullet wound or a car crash but they're not going to make changes in people's lives who have 30 years of poor eating that that's going to be crossfit and so you see them attend this class and one of the people in attendance who was there who wasn't taking the l1 but who was just witnessing it you know uh it was a it was a um it was a businesswoman from the UK. I forget her name, but she was 50 years old. Um, she looked like she was in, you know, decent, decent health. Um, and she said, man, I wish I wish I would have done this younger. No one in their 50s does this, right? Hmm. And it blew me away that there were still people who could be, who could think that CrossFit's not for everyone. Especially in the medical field. Right. Right. Uh, she, in, in her defense, she wasn't in the medical field. She was in the fashion industry. Yeah. Um, her, I think her husband was in the medical field, and so she was there just kind of like witnessing. But I, th I think that <laughs> stigma is changing. I know you had – who was that? We had a grandmother on. Oh, yeah. Betty. Grandma Betty. Betty. Yeah, that's a super outlier, or, right? 97 years old. Or, uh, Kirsten Pedry's um, grandma, Grandma or, Betty. Or David's client. David Osorio's client that you guys yes. have some pieces oh. yes. on. Yes, 80-something. I think the more people... My mom's start, 74. I'm trying to get my mom in. She's just... She's still hesitant. What is, what's the issue? Why can't a charming Ashkenazi Jew like yourself... <laughs> uh -huh. Get my mom to go? Yeah, what the fuck? I probably <laughs> don't push it hard enough on her because I want her to go because the box I go to runs a really great class for older women. All, Both of the owner's moms take it. And just trying to get her to, to get out there. She still teaches. She's a teacher. So I'll get her in one day. You ever flex on the on, – you go to a box, you ever flex on the owner, the instructor, and just be like, hey, I'm L4. Nine burpees, not ten this time. <laughs> I do my best when I'm I – take, I take classes. I listen to everybody that's there. And when if they're saying something I don't agree with, as, as long as I don't think anyone's going to get hurt, I just roll with it. She, you know, One of the coaches was describing the workout, and it was wrong. And I was like, I'll do whatever they say. And they, we, we all, I coach there. We all get along great. But uh, uh, they ever, do they ever correct your, uh, your movement patterns or like? Uh, oh yeah, I'm a terrible mover. I oh. can coach well, but that doesn't mean I move. Jason, well. get your legs wider apart. Oh, I, I, they, Jason, <laughs> stop texting back there. Come on. <laughs> One thing they do great is they're relentless, um, and and it helps. I think. What's the name of the gym? North Naples CrossFit. Okay. They have five coaches, six with me. Uh, and what is the oh including yourself you're the sixth i'm sixth the sixth man. okay I'm just starting there i've been training there for years but i've been i helped them i did a lot of what cooper does i was telling you yesterday off the air i had them increase their rates they were hesitant to do it no one left maybe one person left and they're the same people that are going to leave anyway if right. you're if you're listening and you haven't changed your rates or you've grandfathered people in you need to get over that and you need to increase your rates mm. That's it. Mm. And that's like, mm. <laughs> do you disagree? No, I know he agrees. He's no, just no, passed I, a kidney I, stone. No, I agree. I just, I've been grandfathered in. <laughs> okay. So would you leave your box if they grant, if they raise your rate? 
Uh, no, I wouldn't. No. There you go. Uh, Hollis. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hollis, don't listen. But no, I, I, what I was going to say is they're relentless with me, and I've become a better mover since I've put my ego aside and go to class. And I think one of the issues people have with running one workout a day is, well, well, damn, that means I have to coach. I always feel better going to class, doing a warm-up, moving with the barbell or whatever the movement happens to be. I perform better Yeah. during class. After getting properly warmed up yesterday, I went downstairs and did their workout, and but I did their warm-up, and I wouldn't have normally done that. It would have been like, you know, a couple of wrist circles, turn my head a couple of times, and been like, let's go. <laughs> but I, I felt so much better once I get. And you, who, who did you do the warm up with? Just my my wife and I worked out downstairs. Oh, okay. But but who programmed the warm up for you? They put their warm up on their blog as well. Oh, oh, gotcha. Oh, nice. Okay, okay. So I I I follow their programming for the most part, and I'll I'll look at dot com every day and see what theirs is. But I didn't want to do four hundreds. Yesterday, no, no, no knees in the back pedal. He, you see the bead of sweat roll down. I, I do some dot com. No, no in his defense, it was dark. We outside. don't take it. Um, no one takes it personally. Yeah, that's their website. So if you don't want to do the best programming in the world. It's up to you. It's not. No one. We no, don't take on, it, uh, every every weekend at seminars, I'll do dot com. Yeah. And but what I like about doing theirs is you know this is today's, but they'll put their workout here, so I'll be able to see. I mean their warm up, so it actually give me a warm up too because I need that. That's a serious warm up, that pre wad. Yeah, so they'll get you fully warmed up. This wad build up will be, you know, today because it'll probably be like a hundred meter row, ten air squats, just getting you primed for it, and then and then go. Look at that two 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 four hundreds. The, their lap is about three hundred meters. Two three hundreds, a five hundred meter row, and a two minute plank hold. That's a lot. Yeah, that's good. And that's you know that's before. You know, today they'll probably coach a little bit of the air squat, maybe even some running and rowing technique. Obviously, it's a you know, as you can see by the name of the workout, they're kind of keeping it chill before eighteen one comes out. What's this thing wad for misfits? That's the older woman class that I was telling you about. No, oh, that's kind of cool. So they call it the misfits. And to be honest, if you look, it's almost the same thing that classes do. I think there's some guys in the north. Who train games athletes? Yeah, but that's it's miss with one s. Yeah, there, there's a misfit. This is oh, oh, yeah. SS. oh yeah, this one's oh I like this one. Yeah, I just noticed it too. Nice. Cool. I actually didn't notice it. You pointed but, it out to me. Capital F. You know, it's it's, oh. it's yeah. Wow. Basically the same programming, and I think that's important too. Does everyone can everyone do CrossFit? Absolutely. You know, they need to understand that first. So if we can't get them in the door. It doesn't matter that we know they can do it if they're not actually doing it. So a month in, so what typically happens is one of these ladies will be like, oh, I can't make it to, because that's only one hour a day. I can't make it to class. Well, why don't you try the 3.30? Oh, I can't do regular class. You've been doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. We've just tricked you and called you called it a different name. Ah, uh, we've just tricked you. Yeah. But Jedi mind tricked you. Ronnie Teasdale was telling us about how he uses magic to get women. I need to listen to that podcast. Definitely. Oh, I'm sure Eric can give you a full rundown. He can go into their dreams. Hey, so um, so you're at 500 members. You've been running the box for eight years. You've had you have a, a shitload of trainers, 12 to 20 trainers. We had. You're having a, a decent relationship with the owner of the building. 
and you do what's a very smart move. You decide you want to buy the building. Yeah, it was, I think it's a smart move. Well, they what would say, Chris Cooper say? Is that a smart move to buy the building? Yes. Would you say that? I believe he has talked about purchasing buildings. I well. think like McDonald's, right? That's what it's all about. You have to own the real estate. Real estate, and it was partly because of that, just to make a. And at this point, the box has done well. I've saved money. It's bringing in money, and I'm like, okay, let's invest in it. And more importantly, let's. My dream from the time I interned in high school was to own a big facility that had a pool and all that kind of cool stuff. I really wanted to have a huge gym, and this was my opportunity to do it. I wanted to knock down more walls, have a huge space for CrossFit, you know, still have the Nautilus room, but maybe put some other stuff. Really, just run a cool, cool gym. And like I how, said, how old are you when you started having that aspiration? When I wanted to own a gym, yeah, and like I was a really probably cool fifty, one. and I had a notebook that had like everything I wanted in it. Wow, I wanted to own a hookah lounge. It's like it's almost the same thing. <laughs> Did you know that? I want to own a hookah hookah lounge with like good Wi-Fi. You didn't want a cheese and wine shop? No, my dad had one of those, <laughs> but okay. I don't want a hookah lounge. That, that was always my dream to have that. To, I probably have that notebook somewhere. I was a lost soul. Um, so, so you approach the owner and you say, "Hey." I'd like to buy this building. And is he is he open to it at all? No. The and just to give you an understanding. How old's the owner? So the the true owner is like seventy or eighty, very wealthy, very smart business guy, owns a much bigger business and kind of did this on the side. Okay. So he put his son in to run the place, I think after nine eleven. Or right around nine eleven, the his son Shy, who was, you know, thrown for most purposes, the owner, he he came back when the finance area kind of failed in New York City. Okay. And he took over. His so, building collapsed. No, no, no. Like the the financial, whatever went on. Oh, like in 2008? No, no. This was early. It was like 2000, 2001. I don't okay. know. I don't oh, right after the dot-com boom in the 90s. Yeah. Dipped. So he lost his job, came back, started running the gym. And he and I ran it together. But he was my liaison. He couldn't necessarily make that decision. But but he could speak for his father. And when you say you guys ran the gym together, he didn't run the CrossFit gym. No, no, the the, the court club right, from okay. 2000 to 2007 when okay. I was running it. And I said, I want to buy the building. He said, let <clears throat> me speak to my father about it. Comes back. He says, no, but he's will, you know, we can buy Albany CrossFit. He just came and he's, he's you're standing face to face with him and you think you're going to buy the building. Talk about that. And he goes, we'd like to buy Albany CrossFit. Pretty much. And the moment, and it was just the two of you standing there? I think so. He might have brought his, he had a twin brother. He might have brought him into this conversation, but but it was, I think just, yeah, the two of us, maybe the three of us in there. What was your gut reaction? Were you like, no? No, because like, hmm, this is interesting. it was interesting. Like I said, I was at that part of my journey there where I was getting a little bit frustrated with things. It was, you know, a lot of people trying to do their own thing. I'd probably seen 10 coaches go to open their own boxes, which isn't a bad thing. It's a great thing, but it but it hurts a little bit when, you're, when your coach leaves. I saw the area starting to grow even more. Like I said, there was zero. At this point, there's probably five boxes. Now there's 20. And it, and it, was, it, it piqued my interest. And I said, well, how much? And, this and, was, and at this time, is your box making money? Yeah, it's doing really well. Um, and you've gone through the Chris Cooper course. I've done Chris Cooper's. 
I didn't even think it was the full course at this point. I think it was like 10 mentor calls at that point. And my coaches. Were you ever like you get on like like you're going to have a mentor call and you're like, man, I'd so much rather just go work out. This is bullshit. Yeah, 100 <laughs> percent. No, 100. I think that's true. But I think that's I, I didn't think about that at all. You have to you have to prioritize your business at that point. I mean, we were talking about it yesterday. And at the end of every call, it's like a workout. You're glad you did it. You're like, oh, I'm glad I just it was, sucked it up and listened to Chris's fucking daddy me. Always, always. And I think you know, owning a box could be the fastest way to get out of shape. That's what we were saying yesterday. You know, so you have to prioritize your business, but you have to pr- prioritize yourself also. But we start talking about him buying it, and I remember he kind of gives me this number, and I was like, all right, this is a joke. Don't even let's not even have this conversation. And then I give this is probably over a few weeks. Was your box in any? Were you in debt at all at that point? No. So no debt. I never had debt from the day I opened. Okay, and the box is doing well. Mm-hmm. And you're 100 percent owner. Yes. And how many hours a week are you putting in there? I could have, at that point, I could have left for a month or more. It was running. I didn't coach any classes at that point. Wow. I had, like I said, 20-something coaches on staff. Did you miss coaching? How long had you not been coaching? At that point, probably three years. Oh, because I think one of the things Chris says is like, like, you should be coaching it. I I agree. I agree. I don't think it was a mis. It's hard to consider anything a mistake after the fact because I'm very pleased that I sold it. But I would have liked to have coached more. So if if you hadn't coached in three years, were you still going to the box every day? I was there, yeah. I was there every day. Because I, I, my dad owned a business growing up, and I just remember the importance of him being there. The owner could do shit and bring shit. Like as he's walking in, he's picking up like little scraps of paper on the ground and like – Well, that's the thing. No one will care as much as you do. Right. Mm-hmm. I would still be there every day. It was my place to hang out. I enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but I wasn't coaching. Um. On interrupt the story for a second. Uh, someone DM'd me the other day and said, and said, "Hey, how dare you talk speak about West Pyatt like that?" And to be honest with you, I have no idea what I said. But and then and then I clicked on his Instagram yesterday, and um, you said West Pyatt was just like an average dude that owned a box. I remember listening, but, <laughs> but he made like if West Pyatt could be seventh in this regional. Type of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was not. It was. It was. I was dogging his fitness. Yeah, you were kind of making it out to be like, he's just oh, a normal dude that dude, makes. It, yeah, if this dude can make it to the region. The region sucks. Yeah, that's what. <laughs> yeah, that's. Oh, I think it was in the was it in the podcast or behind the scenes? Maybe. Well, I've been with Vellner. Well, let me let me say this. This proves my point even further. <laughs> how shitty the California region is. I'm gonna read this to you. This is off of West Pyatt's Instagram. You ready? <laughs> By the way, I love West Pyatt. It concerned me a little bit because when I went to his Instagram yesterday, I noticed it, it said follow back at first, like he followed me. And then all of a sudden it switched to follow. So I think maybe he Mine's used to follow me. Too, and then yeah. he, but I quickly followed him. Anyway, let me, let me read this. You ready? This is like some of the shit you were saying today and yesterday. I'm reading that black post with the um, 1017. It's a long read. This is from West Pyatt. He owns CrossFit, uh, Coast, Coast Range CrossFit. Our last class ended at 7.30 p.m. As I walked around putting things away, I noticed the equipment equipment room was a mess, so I reorganized it and cleaned it up. As I walked into the bathroom to wash my hands and take off for the night, I noticed the toilets were dirty and the toilet paper needed to be replaced. So I cleaned the toilets and replaced the toilet paper. I made my way towards the front door, and on my way, a little ball of ruka hair rolled past me. I'd never heard that term, ruka hair. but It's a dog. Oh, oh. I was thinking it was like just like a wad of pubes. That's funny. You ruined that for me. Pubes slash ruka hair. This brought my attention to the floor. 
it wasn't up to standard. So I walked back into the bathroom, filled up the Zamboni, and after sweeping the floor, I Zamboni the gym. Plugging the Zamboni back in, I thought for sure it was time to close up and head home to my girls. That kind of hurts my heart a little bit that he's there cleaning instead of being with his kids. Um, but then I remembered Meg telling me she left a box outside the back door on accident. I did an about face, walked out back, and tossed the box in the recycling. Three hours later, I'm heading home. I'm heading home. Bottom line, this is my gym. If the floors are dirty, toilet paper empty, equipment not put away, or trash left outside, it's my fault. No one else's but mine. How much effort would you put into something you don't collect a check from? Well, there's the statement right there. Why isn't he collecting a check? Because hmm. I haven't in over a year and a half, and I would do anything for this gym. So, no, finish what you're saying. Um, he's a good dude. He's, a, he's on Great. staff, by the way, level one staff. Yeah, he's amazing. And he's fit. He's a, he's a good hugger. And he's fit. He gives good hugs. I remember meeting him when he, before he even qualified for regionals, he went to um, CrossFit Inferno, <clears throat> Grundler's Gym. And oh. my, my girlfriend at the time was going to school in San Obispo, and we met him there. He's an awesome guy. Wes, I disagree with Savon. You are fit. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, listen, I just want to say two things. That's, ama- that's amazing how much work he puts into his um, – he's, he's chasing excellence. Um, he in is. Yesterday's po- if you didn't hear the podcast yesterday, Jason Ackerman spoke about chasing excellence. New book coming out. Um, but, um, but, that, but, but if a guy has time to do this kind of attention to detail in his gym and still make it to the region, the region's suspect. Um, <laughs> well, we'll see this year. Oh, we are, if it's we are hurting fully entangled in the web now. So, so this the, – the kind of owner that that Wes is, were you that kind of owner? Yes, but I also think what I, I mean, hopefully he'll get there. I don't know much about his box, but I think I instilled that in my coaches as well. So I think my coaches cared. They'll never care as much as you, but I think they cared a lot, and I don't think I would have had to go through this much. But back in the day, I, I tell people, you know, when we we would have an event, like the one you kind of showed a quick video of yesterday, I didn't go to sleep that night until every picture was posted, till there was a video made, till I posted something in our private group. I spent, I mean, I, I would go to bed two or three every night, wake up early the next day, putting everything out there. As, as we evolved, that changed where I didn't have to do that all myself, but I was always on top of it. So even when I wasn't coaching, I was developing coaches i was cleaning the gym i was always trying to make the box better i haven't been to his gym in a couple years but i i I did swing by there once and it is nice it's a very very nice gym and he and he keeps it nice but you see he should speak to chris cooper i think so at least get his one hour free call yeah what crank call call cooper at least (laughs) if you're not collecting a check something's going on you Begin the negotiations. They throw out some numbers out there, and you're like, fuck this. I'm going to keep running my gym. Yeah, I mean, it never got to, like, the hit. No, it just got to, hey, if that's where your head's at, this isn't going to work. And then I think their response was give me a number, and mine was, of course, more than I expected. And then we kind of settled in the middle. And this was in what year? 2013, I think. 13 or 14. Who did you consult um regarding the price that you should sell for just a regarding the specific price no one but myself I, so you didn't you didn't call chris up and been like hey what do you think no hey, i don't chris, know why i'm I not didn't. giving you three percent but what do you think i don't know why i didn't <laughs> i you know what 
I may have talked to Chris. I don't remember. But I knew it. To me, it was just a quick, like I said, I wasn't a business major. Don't know a lot about business. It was just, okay, this is probably what I'll continue to make if I work X. Or I can take, it's like winning the lotto. Or I can take this up front and do something else. Are you comfortable telling us how much you sold it for? It was it was almost seven figures. Wow. So it was up there. It's probably, I think, the biggest box sale. Did you ever get into drugs after that? <laughs> Started partying. I blew it all on coke. And prostitutes? Uh, <laughs> Dale <laughs> as old as time. <laughs> um, no, like, I immediately like, invested. It, first Matt, of all, you're going to love this. Like a good Ashkenazi, do you it, st- save it all? Well, <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm it, being racist. It was um, over. I'm still, I think I still get one more payment so it was over the five-year buyout okay there's a huge chunk up front but yeah everything's invested i didn't go and buy a new car or a new house awesome it was just but I you had, got a young chick got a young chick and moved to <laughs> moved to florida to die that was really <laughs> it yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one of my very first crossfit clients that wasn't a one of those old women his name's sasha he's a financial planner so from day one he was you know i started training him in crossfit he started looking at my money and so he was the guy I probably consulted with the most. Number five on Jason Ackerman's list of six things that all box owners should do, get a good accountant. So Sasha is a, a financial, financial well, he's my financial planner, and then he shares an office with my accountant. And Sasha, that's a um, nice Jewish name, right? No, no, he's Bosnian. Oh. oh. He, yeah. You didn't know that? He, uh, I, isn't, I isn't like that. Sasha Baron Cohen. I mean, he's Jewish. Right? Uh, <laughs> it's a different spelling. Oh. It's, it's S-A-S-A with like one of those squiggly lines so your first box experience was amazing i'm happy with the way it turned out when you opened that box did you you didn't live at home with your parents no no that was no i lived in new york upstate new york and 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 what was your living condition like when you opened that box it wasn't bad i think like i told you yesterday i lived in the ghetto for a few years four hundred dollars a month rent you said yep or eight hundred no four hundred a month basement basement apartment car getting broken into but what, th- what kind of car did you have then? At that time, it was a Acura Integra, but it was like my stepfather's that had been passed down. It was like a shiny new Acura, and so I with no stereo. I walk. I that was when I, I had to teach spin at six a.m. at Gold's, so I walk out the door five a.m. It was freezing cold. Open the door, <clears throat> driveway light turns on, and I look across the street, and a dude is sitting in my car, and I'm like, you know, it's early in the morning. I'm like. What's going on? And then I quickly realized, I was like, this dude's taking my stereo or stealing my car. I just did a U-turn, turned right back into my house, went inside, called the police. By the time they got there, stereo was gone. And I was like, I got to take spin. I got to go. Is it? Why didn't you use your cell phone? There was. I don't think we had cell phones. Pre-cell phone? Yeah. Awesome. And, um, but I was like, I have to get to spin. And I made it to the spin class at 6 a.m. with no window. And no stereo. And no tunes. No tunes. And then you would teach CrossFit after that. No, this was but this was before CrossFit. This is when I was still at Gold's Gym. Okay, so you open your CrossFit gym and you're living in a, 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 a one-bedroom apartment in, no, no, in a basement. I, when I opened Albany CrossFit, I had bought a house. Oh, you had. So I, I owned a house. I, was, I mean, I was training people, but I was busting my butt, but I was making good money at that point for how, a trainer. How, how, much is, how much is a home in, in Albany, New York at I, that time? I bought that townhouse for about 200000 and and you have to remember, I'm Jewish, so I was saving everything. I don't spend frivolously. Yeah, money right. left over from the bar mitzvah. <laughs> yeah, right, that ten thousand right. dollars right, from the bar right. mitzvah. <laughs> so I owned my house. I was I was living 
I wouldn't say paycheck to paycheck, but I was paying my mortgage. I wasn't buying anything extravagant. He had his Integra transformed to biodiesel. <laughs> I think at that time I had my Honda. and um, You upgraded to a Civic. It was a yeah from an '89 Integra to a '94 Civic. And my parents, Ooh. my parents, I think they probably either handed me down that car or you know got it for me. When you when you sold the business, um, were you still living in the same house? Yes, until I moved to Florida. Okay, and did you sell your house or did you are you do you rent it? I sold that house you did? Oh. to a member of Albany CrossFit. Why would you sell it? Isn't isn't the um, conventional wisdom a young man like yourself should keep? All your property. I didn't want to move, you know, be traveling back to Albany to own a little townhouse there, and the house I bought in Florida was bigger and more expensive, so I needed that money to buy the house in Florida. Okay. Your second gym you open in what city? Clifton Park in 2011. And where is that? It's like 20 miles north of Albany. Okay. So so and, and had you sold? Your first gym yet? No, I owned both at the same time. And, and how? What was the the crossover before you sold Albany Gym? How much time did I own both? Yeah, about three years. I actually wound up selling both at the exact same time, but for different reasons, like you said. And a, a tangent would be: if you're a box owner, before you open a second box, really, really think about why you're doing it. I think it's a mistake a lot of box owners make. Instead of diversifying your attention to two different places just really pour yourself into one and it's probably more valuable let me play devil's advocate here for a second it's not even really devil's advocate this is just how i feel you're in a town with a hundred thousand people um and your box is really successful why not move to the suburbs to another town where there's eighty thousand people and replicate the model Especially someone like you who hasn't who who hadn't coached there in three and a half years. And I think that's what people re- go into it with. You can't give your attention to the second one or the first one, whichever one you choose, which will inevitably lead to that first one feeling like you're no longer there. And I think what I would consider is what can I do to get more of those one hundred thousand people to this one? Okay. So you open a second space. Right away, there's people that live closer to that box. Right. So they're going to go there now. But they were already coming here. What can I do to get those people down closer and really just focus on it? Because, yeah, maybe you get 100 people, but if I could have gotten 50 of those people to come to my original box, it saves me my lease, my second affiliate fee, my insurance. I need more coaches. I need more equipment. It's just more. Right. I think I was chasing that dream versus chasing... Let's just make Albany CrossFit the best place. Hmm. I think there are people that are probably doing it well. I don't think I did it well. Yeah, you know, you're 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 um, you're saying smart stuff. You're like the parent who's saying, "Hey, wear your wear your helmet before you go out and ride your bike." But and and I'm and I feel like I'm the kid who's like, "I'm only going two blocks." That's, you know what I mean? Like like I really want that second gym. And I think you could do it. You can ride your bike safely, but. There's a chance you're gonna fall and smash your head, and it will be bad. And I've, you've already done that once, right? And you can't right. ride anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. And then you lose both gyms. You know, well, I sold them. It worked out well, but I, I think it's not. Don't do it. Just consider why you're doing it. Make sure it's the right distance. Make sure you have a good person there. Like there needs to be, which is why I did that eighty twenty split because that other person needs to care as much as you do. Oh, so it wasn't necessarily that you were. 
I didn't going, need the money. You didn't. Okay, so you started this other gym with this other guy, and you gave him eighty twenty because you wanted him to be invested enough that he did pick up the gum wrappers, that he did do the West Pyatt things, that if he was leaving and he saw the bathroom was dirty, he would go back and clean it. That's that's a big reason, and I wanted to also give someone else the opportunity to own a box. Did you see an end game for either gym when you opened them? No, I, I think. All along, I was like, cool, I'm going to do this forever. Like, when are you going to stop working? Never. I enjoy this. Right. I would have been, who would you have? Mike, what was his name? Workington. The, the 74-year-old? Sudhonic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I'd be showing up at 74 coaching. That was, Donna's joke was always, you know, I'll be 100, you'll be 50 coaching me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's right. But I, I enjoy it. I still love going to A-Box and coaching. How is the negotiation different um, selling the second box as opposed to the first box? The first box, um, the guy had the space he could hold over you, and the second box, um, the guy could hold 20% over you. Yeah, it was, it was a little more black and white. Um, at that point, our relationship was so strained that he was coming to me with these ridiculous numbers. Like, well, if you buy it from me, it's worth this, but if I buy it from you, it's worth this, because he thought... It was all about the fact that he was there. Okay. And I was like, no, no, no. Here's where it says, this is what we do when we sell. So as Oh, you had. We had that in there. Like yesterday I said, we you have as much as you can written down. So that was you, the one thing we had written down. So when you went into the relationship, this 80-20 relationship at Clifford CrossFit? Clifton Park. Clifton Park CrossFit. There was a calculation already laid out, an equation of how a separation would occur if someone wanted to buy the other person out. Yeah, and I think it was there more so because I wanted to give him the opportunity to buy into it more. It's kind of like a prenup. Oh, it's exactly like a prenup. Yeah. But Do you have a prenup, Matt? No. Do you have a prenup? I don't. I don't either. It's, it's kind of... I, my parents are upset about that. Really? Yeah. They're Jewish. Oh, I used to joke with my wife about it. I, 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 this is going to sound so naive. But I feel like it's insulting to the relationship. I, I understand why people do it because what fifty percent of marriages end in divorce, right? Mm -hmm. But to me, it was like I'm never gonna not be with this woman. I was told Bailey, I knew you before I made my million, so I know I can trust you. She, she didn't think it was funny either. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jason, what do you what what do you what do you do like? Um, yeah. You're you're saying you know you always be with this woman. Do you just think a worst case scenario that you come home and there's four dudes gangbanging her and you're just gonna be like, okay, honey, I'm gonna go to the kitchen and cook you guys dinner. Yeah, be like, all right. I'm gonna just I'm gonna suck it up and deal with it. Doesn't mean it's over, honey. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're gonna talk about this. We're talking about this later. Do you play the the worst case scenario in your head? I've not played that scenario out. Sounds like you do. Right. Right. But no, and and I trust her. I think even if it did end, she's not that type of person. Right. Right. I think, you know, but I've said that about other relationships that ended. So I have been wrong in the past. Yeah. Luckily for me, I have not. Ooh. Still undefeated. So there is an equation. Did, 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 did the equation, was it actually used or did you give some wiggle room? And, and, and because it sounds like when you, when you sold this, the second gym, he wasn't happy with the equation that you guys had laid out. He wasn't, but I think we, I think we, if we didn't use it exactly, it was very close. Okay, so you acquiesced a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I just wanted it to be done. I wanted to be out. I was selling it around the same time as Albany, and I just wanted to kind of wash my hands at that point of both and be able to move on and 
whatever direction that was. Did your second gym use a mentor program? Did you use ever Chris Cooper? Well, I, or did you just take the shit from the first one and part yeah, it into your second one? Exactly. I don't think we needed it again. We just kind of we implemented a lot of good things we were doing, but we also still had some bad tendencies. And but a lot of what you learned you can replicate with any box with Cooper. So you're like, yeah. So so you leveraged that's a business term, Matt. You leverage what you learned from Chris to the second box. To the second box. So whatever you paid Chris, it's kind of like divided in half. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. And that, you know that was that was part of the issue with the second box is you're spending money where you pay for something and it helps both boxes, and then because now you have a partner involved, you have to figure that out versus just owning it all. Ah. Uh, so there was always like that headache involved. You mean like if like you mean like if you bought a van. Right. And they shared it. Right. So a van or say our website was combined. Okay. So we had one, you know, two different domains and we did all the stuff you need to do through CrossFit, but then we a lot of the stuff was shared and paid for, like our back end system. But I was paying for a lot of that out of Albany because that's where the money was coming in at the time. Right. But he didn't necessarily see that. And I'm like, I'm saving you all of this money. Right, right. But he was just like, well, I'm busting my butt working here. But you wouldn't be open if I wasn't doing this stuff. Right. Because that, that Albany was just like a cash cow at that point. So it became, okay. Whew, I'm glad I don't, I don't, that would be a tough position yeah, for me. that does to be. sound difficult. It was, and that's what I'm saying. You, you know, and, and you, to some extent you need a partner if you're opening a second affiliate because you have to have an affiliate in someone else's name. But you can have your wife or some a relative or someone you trust that doesn't necessarily want to open the business with you be be attached to the affiliate. You move. You move to Florida. Before I moved to Florida, I opened a third affiliate. Oh, you didn't open the third affiliate in Florida. No, it's mm. further upstate New York in Saratoga. And how far is that from Clifton? Probably another twenty minutes. It's probably you know Albany, twenty minutes to Clifton Park, twenty minutes to Saratoga. When, going back to Albany before we get to this, was it called Saratoga CrossFit? It's cross, called CrossFit Soulshine. CrossFit Soulshine. But there's no sun up there. No, it's, it's the soul. The soul is shining. Oh, that soul. Okay, I was thinking like the Spanish. Isn't soul, S-O-L? Yeah, this is S-O-U-L. Okay, okay. In certain vernaculars, yeah. Um, who took over? Were the, were the guys who bought Albany CrossFit from you CrossFitters? The owner was he had taken his level one the son the son and he actually did my intern program so he became a coach under under me at the box while he was my landlord okay so it was a unique dynamic and then all of my coaches for the most part stayed there okay. so he's got two so you felt like it was in good hands it was and, and part of the contract was i'm here for x amount of time if you need me i still trained there before opening that CrossFit Soul Shine a few months later, but it and it's doing well. I think it took a little bit of a hit when I first sold it because it was my vibe, and now I was handing it off to someone else. But I think it's really doing well right now. We call uh, in the podcast room. We call it a hum. It was your hum. I like that hum. And then the hum changed. Yeah. But now because of that, it's doing well again. The hum. Um. And then so and so. How how long after you the how many years after you opened the doors at Albany did you open the doors at Soulshine in Saratoga? Seven. No, 
if you opened it seven because you had that gym for eight years so if you open soul shine so maybe, seven, I, have, I, so maybe I opened in 2007 at Albany I think I sold in 14, so I must have only owned it for seven years. And uh -huh. then I also opened Soul Shine in 14, like three months later. And then, and did you own Soul Shine at any time when you still own Clif no. Clifford, Clifton? Clifton Park? No, at that point I did. I had sold both of those. Okay. Opened the third. Okay, so, so now I never you're... owned three at the same time. And and tell me, why did you um, did you move up there? No, it was I had always stayed in the same house in Albany. It's like a 30, 40 minute commute up the North Way. Wow. And what was the inspiration for opening the that affiliate? That area was just untouched. I think there was one box up there, but they actually, I think, wound up closing or or doing something. And I just wanted to. It's like a really cool little town. If you're familiar with that area, there's a racetrack. Like six weeks out of the year, it gets crazy with horse racing. Oh yeah. And I just thought it would be a really good box there, and it was. Did did you dread um yesterday Matt was talking about like we were talking about dating again and like oh my god like that would suck to ever have to date again. Is it like that every time you open a box you're like oh I got to get the insurance, I got to find the equipment. Oh, I'm dreading laying the floors down. Oh, my neighbors, I'm going to have to deal with that bullshit. Like No, cuz that stuff I think uh, I really did it right. If I could replicate a box, I would do it the same way as Saratoga. At Saratoga, the stuff you dread is just okay, now I have to get members of the door. What 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 were some of the things you did right there? Like a standalone building? Uh... No, we were attached to a church, so okay. it wasn't a standalone yeah. building. But things like negotiating the lease, but more importantly, the right amount of equipment, programming for the box, uh, the the back end software, uh, things like you know getting the website up easily, getting your Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff sync together but i'd say the most important thing was just knowing the amount of equipment to buy uh sound what do you mean like like you knew to get three rings six bars like like what do you mean so so my goal and what are the mistakes that people make there buying too much yeah, like okay. drowning in equipment you can always it's it's the same thing i think about classes you can always add times you can always add equipment it's hard to take either away okay so starting, we, I think we opened with four classes a day, an early morning, a noon, and then two in the evening. Did you teach them all? We would alternate days. Who's we? My, so I was 50-50 on that box. Okay. So I would actually do Tuesdays and Thursdays because I was on staff at that point, and I wasn't always home on Mondays and Fridays. He would do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. We were closed Sunday. Excuse me. How did you find, the, um, how did you find this guy? He was one of my coaches at Albany CrossFit. And did he say, hey, I want to open a box? And you're like, oh, funny, you should say that. He was looking around, and he was looking closer to Albany. And at this point, I had sold both boxes and knew he was looking. And I said, have you ever considered Saratoga? He said, no, let's check it out. We went up there, found this spot. His wife at the time, she's an attorney, so she helped us you know, negotiate everything. Was your um, – was so you, you had – you had had a, a a partnership at the previous gym, and there were some speed bumps, just some minor speed bumps, turbulence during the um, selling of it. Did you make this one even more detailed, the yes. documentation? Yes. What are some things you added? We were so meticulous with every detail. Like, here's who's responsible for this. Here's who's responsible for that. There was, like, shares of the business that we owned. We did everything we could. And like I said, his wife is an attorney, and 
we just put everything down. I was probably a little too trusting because it was his wife that did all this. Mm. But I would read it, and I had my own attorney that would read it, and it was all good. And you had an equation in that one also, a separation equation? Yep, same thing. That you know, we wound up selling it so I wound up selling so quickly that it was really just, hey, this is what I put in. But it was for the most part, yeah. You know, at this point, it'll be worth X, and 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 you had no intention of selling it when you opened it. No, I mean, I we opened I think October first, and by February, it sold most of it, or it was in the talks of selling it. And I moved to Florida in April. And and you're still in a good relationship with him. Absolutely. And and why, and you sold it just because you were moving. I was. The box was doing great. I was loving it and went down to visit Florida and was like, I need to get out of this weather. And just, that was it. What are, when you say the box is running great, what are the characteristics of a great running box? It was making money already. We, we did it right. It was like, we're, we were following CrossFit.com. There was, you could not do anything but class in the box. Mm. So there was no people thinking they were hot shit, trying to do other stuff. We were doing the same programming they were doing. Uh, we had just a good community that was small but growing, and we were just having fun every day. Um, let, me, let me just repeat to you what you just said. The question I asked you, you said it was a great box. And I said, well, what made it a great box? And you said, it's profitable. We followed .com. We did classes only. The trainers did the same programming as the clients, and we had fun every day. Yeah. <laughs> Booyah. It's, it sounds pretty, you know, yeah, duh. That's fun. That's what it was. <laughs> Just off the top of your head, I said, what what makes your, your Saratoga box? You said, man, we were just off and running to a great start. And I said, what, what made it so great? And there were these five things you said, and uh, we just went over them. And so let's go into them. When you said it made money, what was that because you you had figured out a uh, good rent, didn't buy too much equipment, didn't hire too much staff? Like like what made it so you could make money right out the gate? All of the above. So I think I don't remember exactly what our rent was. Probably around three thousand dollars a month. It's a nice area, but for that area, and how our many space, square feet? Three or four thousand. It was it was a nice space in that mm. area. Like Saratoga has. A Broadway where there's just tons of local mom and pop type shops called like independent coffee places, and then we were one block off of that. And you were attached to a church. Yeah, it was right. Were they your landlord? No, they weren't the landlord, but they were really quiet. They weren't there, and we were closed on Sundays, so it worked out perfectly. Which denomination? I don't know what denomination. It wasn't no. Jewish. Okay. Were, were, were all of your boxes closed on Sunday? No, this was the first time. I was like. We can eventually open on Sundays if the demand is there, but we can never take Sundays away. So if you're opening a box, start as small as you can with everything. You can always add. If, if you have class on Sunday and there's four people showing up and you're like, man, I don't want to do this anymore, those four people are going to be pissed. And you may lose them. You might lose them. But if I'm like, hey, guys, who'd be interested in a Sunday? This is something new we're going to offer. Then they're all excited. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, they need a day off. If if you're worried, that's why you shouldn't have sex on the first date. Think about that. Let that percolate a little bit. Okay, let's go back. But, so money. And, and and you could always give them. Hey, you wanna you wanna take off today, or you wanna work out today? We're closed. Burpees, run, whatever it is. Give them a workout to do. That's fine. But the box doesn't have to open. Right. 
Right. I love it. Okay. So when we opened, we started for fifty thousand dollars. Is that where you're going with money? No, but that's great. That that was your that would those were your opening costs. It, we, now we're getting into. We got it to about fifty thousand, and it was two of us. We're like, all right, we're each going to contribute twenty five. So I'm not exactly <clears> sure how Dave, my partner, came up with his. What I did was cool. I got a credit card with zero percent for a year and a half, and put everything. Right Why there. didn't you use twenty five thousand from the money you had made from previous sales? Because this was sale? free money. It's a zero percent credit card. Oh, you cannot see. It's a juice. It's a uh, very intelligent. So, and, so of this fifty thousand, how many of how much of that was like um, rent in the bank? Like, were you like, hey, no matter what, we each we're gonna make. The, let's say this box is a fail. Let me ask you this: in your in your negotiations with him, your partner, or in this contract you make, this business relationship contract, is there like, no matter what, each of us will put up six months of rent? No, I don't think we got that. This was probably just to get the doors open. Don't you need something like that in your contract? Like each of you are going to. No matter what? No, because for me, I still, you know, I just sold the boxes. So I had money. I was traveling for seminars on the weekend. I had income coming in. His wife was doing well. It wasn't as if we were opening and we needed to get paid. Okay. So we didn't, We yeah, we weren't saying I we want need you to, to make this much. I want you to validate what I'm saying because I think it's smart. <laughs> um <laughs> It's very smart, so what, what What I'm saying is, is let's say, let's say, let's say, he, after three months, he saw that it wasn't making money, and he's like, "Fuck it, I want to shut down the door." And you're like, "No, no, 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 hold on a second. Like, don't don't you have to com- in the contract? Shouldn't there be some commitment? Like, we're each going to commit to, and then there's a time domain." I do agree with that. It's intelligent what you're saying. I don't think we did that. I do, I just think what would have happened would have been, well, then I'll buy your out your half out. It wouldn't have been. You were balling enough that you didn't need that. Yeah, and I don't think stipulation. I, I don't think we were opening a box with the expectation it wasn't going to work or we would quit. So optimistic. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so so you open with a low overhead, I guess. And then the, 50 50k, $3,000 a month rent. You, and then the key to all of that was we had a membership that we called Founders. And I think we did for the first 20 people that joined 1200 for the year, maybe. Right around there. So then we opened with basically our money came right back. Um, did you have any members when you opened? Oh, I think we had filled almost all twenty of those founder spots. And how did you do, how do you do that? How did you do that? I had a good enough reputation in the area that people that A wanted to join CrossFit and start finally were able to. A handful of people probably came from other boxes and other areas because it was either me or it was just a better location. And then just word of mouth spreading through Saratoga. And and how long did it take before you were um, at 50 members? I would say I think our goal was we opened October 1st, and by January 1st we wanted to be there, and I think we were at 60 by January 1st. Wow. So in four months? Three. Three months. Check. Money. Follow.com. Why, why do you think that's a good idea for a new box? It was one less thing we had to do. This was before CrossFit was putting out as much information as they were, but it was just one less thing on our radar to do. We You can spend that time being nice to clients, cleaning bathrooms, doing some extra coaching, sweeping the front porch. All that stuff. We went back. So we we went I think we we started like 2 or 3 months behind where we were because that way we didn't even have to worry about the rest day. We were only open six days a week, so the three-on-one-off wasn't going to affect us as much. And then 
we just plugged them all in. And and we would do everything that came up. Run a 5K, everything but a handful of times there was swimming. Uh, mm. I, I, I don't know if this is true, but I heard Greg Amundsen, who has a box here in Santa Cruz, California, just went back to day one of .com. February 10th, 2001. And just started. Hard and fast. Hard Dumbbell and fast, thrusters. Yeah. Yeah. Greg Amundsen, he's the man. Have you have you heard that? Uh, no. That I Amundsen haven't. CrossFit does that? He, no, I haven't heard that. Did he start a church? I, I heard he's be, I, he was a cop, and he's a CrossFit coach. Author. And now he's an author. And now I think he is, uh, and he's a yoga instructor. I think, what's his book? Your sister is not your wife? Your wife is not your sister? Don't bang my sister? Something like that. I think all the words they've said, we might have gotten it. And and, and now I hear he's becoming, um, he's going to preacher or pastor school. He's a good dude, yeah. He huh. is a good dude. Not one of the, not, not like when you say he's a good dude, it's not like he travels with Dan and Josh and Rich. He's not one of those good dudes. He's like a good dude. Right, he's a, he's he's a, a good person. He's not a good dude, he's a good dude. Good dude. You know, Ronnie Teasdale's only had five cups of coffee in his life. I offered him a cup of coffee yesterday. I've had five so far today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I find it hard to believe, but I'm just skeptical of everything. I believe it. Why? Why five? Why five and not none? Uh, just because, like, he he accidentally drank one here or there. I just I think that like. <laughs> did he say specifically God. five? If I tell you I why, think he I think did say so. five. Yeah, he did say five. Then yeah. I don't believe it. So I don't think I've had more than five cups of okay, coffee. Okay, that's a different statement. Getting wishy-washy here. Um, classes. Okay, so money. We talked about money. We talked about why you follow.com. Um, classes. Um, do classes only, meaning don't have open gym. What do you mean by that? I mean, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. I think we had 6 a.m., noon, 5 p.m., 6 p.m. Was it come in. Dot-com was there. We led the warm-up. We Just like we spoke about earlier, we would build up to the workout, and that was it. You you know, once in a while, if someone's like, I want to really get my first pull-up, we might have them do some accessory work. But it wasn't – you couldn't do someone else's programming in our box. That's the last thing you should be letting your members do. Why? Well, first of all, it devalues you and, and your ability to either A, program, or choose smart programming. You're, you can't coach people doing all sorts of different things. And you really you don't have any, even if you can coach, you don't always know what they're doing. So someone over there is doing jerks. Someone over there is doing snatches. Someone's trying to do bar muscle ups. How are you coaching all of that? They should be doing what you're doing, and what you're doing should be leading them towards fitness. And it pisses off the other clients. Yeah, it causes a huge divide in your box. There becomes like a little bit of like some even some elitism, right? Or like totally. huge. Even, even if it's not there, the people who who maybe are doing the class and who aren't doing what those other people are doing will start there'll be some like weird kinds of resentment and ego conflict. They think they're hot shit. Then the other clients are like, well that's what I should be doing. Then people that so what happens is people that truly shouldn't be doing that try to do it because they want to be like those people. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that are gonna get hurt. And it's just it's a bad thing. You should not be doing that. You're saying there's adequate adequate stimulus for everyone of all fitness levels in the class. If you're coaching well, absolutely. And there are people that maybe need more volume, whether it's you might have someone that does make it to regionals or you have someone that does want to compete. There should be a time and a place at your box that you allow it and you should be overseeing what goes on. But at a minimum, they should be doing your classes. And and let's say uh, 
Chris Spieler walks into your gym and you're doing Cindy, what do you do? You're like, hey, Chris, you're going to do Cindy too, but you're going to do it with a vest. Maybe. I mean, so that's a great example. Spieler comes to our box and it's Cindy. You know he's already got 47 rounds. Right, so there's a point. You know, like, there's a point. I think you guys discussed it where it's like, is there a point where you're done with the girls or, or whatever uh, that I've point. never discussed that. I don't even know how to discuss that. No, I think we have touched upon no, it. No, we have not. Okay, let's touch on it. Okay. Um, <laughs> if someone said that in here, I reject that notion. So no, there's a point where Spieler can only get... I think you're taking it out of context. Right, no, so Spieler's... Cindy, 20-minute AMRAP, 5, 10, 15. There's a point in time where Spieler is moving as fast as he possibly can, and the only thing that could get him to get you one more rep would be, well, where do I do my push-ups relative to my squats? Where's the pull-up bar? At that point, has he finished Cindy? You know, no different than when you have a 156 Fran, like I think Spieler does. Like, is he done with Fran? Now what? How do I, you know, does he make it 105 pounds? Does he, <clears throat> does he make it 22, 16, 10? I don't know. But if he takes class, depending on who it is and what he's doing, yeah, maybe it is try to get one more round. Maybe it is do it with a vest. Maybe it, you know, maybe it's add a pull-up, chest-to-bar. Pistols instead of squats. All the, right. Okay. But... Intensity is how we get results. We all know that. You get intensity by being in class, being in that community, trying to beat the person next to you. That you know, going back to Donna, my eighty year old client, I specifically remember a workout where I picked up one fifteen, I think it was overhead squats to finish a workout, and I saw her across the room with PVC and I beat her in that workout. And I didn't care that she had PVC. I just wanted to beat Donna. <laughs> yeah. And that was it. And I like was like, yeah, Donna, I just beat you. You know, it's like that's, yeah. that's what it's all about. So it doesn't matter that you're 80 or that you have PVC. I want to beat you in this workout. Okay. Furthermore, I think if a regional-level games athlete walks into a gym to drop in and says, hey, I have my own programming to do, I'd say tough. We, yeah. we have something on the board that you can do. And if you want to do something else, you know, if there's an open gym, go for it. But you're doing what we're doing. You're not taking it past time. And there's a box down the road that'll probably take you. Yeah. You know, like Cooper said, I have to be willing to not take his $20. That $20 can ruin your community. Right. You know, that's a broad statement. But, it, you know, yeah, that those athletes that are giving you the same money, and they're the people that are going to bitch and moan when you try to increase because they're not seeing the value in what you're giving them. And like Cooper would say, it's they're taking up floor space, and that's probably one of your most valuable assets at the box. And an easy segue here is um, the trainers do the same programming as the clients. Yeah, we would just come in, and whether it was, you know, we really did, we didn't hit classes there because we were coaching all of them every other day. But at lunchtime or whenever I had the opportunity, I was doing it. And that, you know, say you're doing a workout that's not a standard. And you don't know what it should feel like. Well, one of the best ways to find out is to do it yourself. And then you can put your score up on the board in a different color or the same color. And you know, here's what I got. Try to beat that. Or here's what I would have done differently. You know, we we were talking about it yesterday, Matt and I, in the in the gym downstairs. My goal every day in the workout is to not think about what it is. Just go out 110 percent and blow up if I have to. Well, and it often happens. But if I don't do that, I can't explain to you what it would feel like. Right. Um, and, and, and what about coming in in your off? Let, let's say you did come in in your off time and you did want to take a class and you were a trainer. Are you okay with that? 
are you okay with Jason joining? What was the the other guy's name? Doug. Dave. Dave. Is it okay for you to jump into one of Dave's classes and take it? Oh, it's a, oh, it's of course it's great. It's great. I would love that. I've, if I owned a box, I would want all my coaches to be taking classes because the members like seeing that. Mm-hmm. They're gonna see something in your coaching that maybe they want to implement or be able to give you feedback to improve, and and it's just it grows your community. And then they get an opportunity to beat you. Yeah, which doesn't happen very often. <laughs> if I was the owner of a box, it would. To have fun every day. I mean, who said that? Ben and Jerry's? You know their quote of, no. if it's not fun, why do it? No. It's the same thing. If it's not fun, why do it? Why do you own a box if it's not something you enjoy? I've, I've never had a you know quote-unquote real job because I've always wanted to do something that I enjoy and wake up doing. That's what this was. was, I looked forward to getting up and going to coach every day. Um, Many, many years ago, I remember Greg saying something along the lines of, whoever's running the blog, it should also be someone who you'd want to go to their house and have a party. It should be the per you should the person running our blog and setting the vibe and the message for our blog should be someone we all want to hang out with. Someone like the second they invite you to their house, you're like, yeah, I'll go. And and I get it. Like there should be that. I mean, maybe we've taken it too far in this podcast. Maybe we're having too much fun. But I think, no, I don't think you guys are having too. Much. I don't think Matt's having any fun, to be no. honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe. I think this place is fucking awesome. Okay. Well, I think what what he's created here is just a, a bigger picture of what a box should be like. The box will have your culture and and your hum, if you will, and and that's what it has to be. And if your if your hum is like. Hey, we are religious and we preach this. Cool. That's the type of people you're going to get and be that. Don't be afraid to be it. But if you're all about just having a good time and, and having fun and drinking beer after a workout, that's cool too. Um, do, do, do you believe that if that that is um, – you, you you write these you gave these to me money follow dot com classes only trainers do the same programming fun every day is it in that order or are all of these equally important I think they're all equally important and I think almost if you're not having fun first those others don't matter because your members will see that and feel it but they're probably just all equal with one another and all things you should be striving for no different than the ten domains right if you're if you're I don't think you can have one of those so far out that the, something's sacrificed. But if you're too strong, are you not balancing your flexibility? Or if you're so, if you're having too much fun and not making money, you're fucked. You won't be able to keep the doors open. If yeah, you're only interested like in making money, then then no one's going to be interested. Yeah, and you're probably not going to have fun. If you're, I mean, I don't think you can follow dot com too hard or you know that type of stuff. But some of the, especially the fun and the money, they have to be in balance with one another. Speaking of fun, as we wrap up this podcast, do we want to unleash on our dear friend David Tittle? Yeah, let's t- let's touch on Tittle. <laughs> David Tittle is a CrossFit HQ employee, uh, L1 seminar staff, for, former <laughs> judge at the CrossFit Games. I don't know that you could say former. Yes. Oh, I think you can. Retired. That's up to him. Retired. 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 It's fair. <laughs> All uh, around good person. Oh, amazing, guy. amazing guy. One of the best looking men on the planet. Yeah, very, is that is that? Is that you? But very weak bicep tendons. Keep your uh, <laughs> keep your uh, your daughters and. Uh, well, he's married. Wives. He's, he's married. got incredible press. The strict press is close to two and a quarter, I think. Is it really? Yeah, 
him and Tyson were just like loving each other, pressing downstairs. We we're doing the total. His judges. Did he tear a bicep though during that? Nah, not that he admitted. Him and his brother torn, I think, between them seven biceps. Oh, I, I have heard this what? from someone else on staff. Yeah. No, just two or three. No, I've heard that he has a tense. It's like it's weak for some reason. Yeah, he has. They both have torn in their bicep. Oh my! Did they have it reattached? Yeah. And I think Dave had uh, a little bit of implant put in. When he had his reattached. Oh, so he's not quite legit in the open. Uh, what, what do you mean implant? Like he has a bicep implant. His, like a he has a bicep implant. Cadaver? <laughs> <laughs> it's silicone. Are you joking? Yeah. Oh, we had oh some... just because his arms are so big? Mm-hmm. We, we had somebody, uh, Dr. Rocket said that you don't, some, some bicep tendon tears don't have to be Yeah, it's, it's big in the jiu-jitsu world. Mm. So a lot of those guys like Henzo Gracie, for example, they, they, you don't need to fix your bicep tendon. It's just maybe a little bit weaker, but you can do mm-hmm. everything. Vellner, Vellner didn't have his fixed. Really? His tour at the games, I think. And he's not... Tour at regionals. Oh, regionals. Do, doc, the doc said that this movement, like screwing something in, because like impossible without that ligament. So if that comes up in the 2018 yeah. Open, Vellner's screwed. <laughs> I can beat yeah. him in Ooh, hey, yeah, 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 tighten the screw. If, it, if it's Phillips, he's fine. Flathead, he is fine. Well, it's like the old school hammer, right? <laughs> Dave might throw something like that. And he did the oh, hammer in I would love to see it. The sledgehammer. 09. So what are we watching? This is the... Is this the snap? What, what, what event was this? Uh, this is um, the... The one that had the overhead squats after the skier again, the rope climb. The two, 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 three. Yeah. Whatever. The oh, one. they had two minutes to do the skier rope climb and then as many overhead yeah. squats. And Jason, you were on the floor here judging at the games also? I was. I don't believe I was in this heat. I don't. How many years have you judged at the games? Just two. Do you think you've ever miscounted? No. Would you know if you miscounted? I would know if somebody else knew I miscounted. <laughs> Is it more nerve-wracking the 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 better the athlete? Not at the games level. Everyone is so good. Everyone is so good there. They move well. It's not It's not nerve-wracking at all. You just have to be on. I'll tell you what was nerve-wracking. I judged that last heat with Kara Webb and Tia. Uh-huh. That was probably the only time judging I got nervous. Cuz so Going into that last heat, I knew I'd be on the floor, and I got handed someone's card. I think it was either Sam Briggs or Emily Abbott. I don't remember, but I had already judged them. Mm-hmm. And we typically try to only judge every athlete once in the games. So I said, all right, I have this person. Can someone trade with me? And Joe DeGain. <laughs> sure. Well, Joe DeGain was kind of the captain. You had Emily Abbott? You should have called me over. Next time you get Emily Abbott, you're at the games. Just be like, hey, Sevy. I've, I've judged Emily before. I judged her on this. Actually, no, I judged her on this workout Okay. earlier. So it oh, must not okay. have been this heat. And so I'm like, hey, can someone switch to me? And Joe's like, here, I have Kara Webb. And I'll be honest, during the entire games, I'm paying zero attention to what's going on other than my heat. So I'm like, cool, Kara, how's she doing? And then the guy next to me is like, you don't know? And he, she, Who was the guy next to you? His name's Greg Martino. He was judging Tia. And he's just fucking with your head. He's like, you don't know what's going on. So this is, yeah, there I am. Yeah, that's me. Uh, there you are. So I have no idea until we step on the floor how close this is. And then when he tells me what happened, like panic just ran through my body. I was like, oh, shit. There's you mean, his eyes. <laughs> is that the guy, the guy judging Tia, who tells you you don't know what's going on? Yeah, Greg. 
he was almost involved in a decision that made it that Tia could didn't win. Oh my God, so close. Mm. So when you're when you're judging, so I'm judging. This is the final event of the CrossFit Games. And him and I were yeah, right down the center. And they were like just one or two points apart. So yeah, and I had no idea before we stepped on the. Well, well we're in the backstage, and I'm like, all right, I guess I have Kara, cool. And then he's like, you don't know, like th this is the workout that will decide who wins. And then all of a sudden, I was like, you start sweating. I'm like reviewing the movements in my head, what could happen, all of that stuff. I had no idea what was going on here, as I was judging Kara. That's good communication, telling her to get over the line. Well, you know, one thing we try, you know, people have this misconception of the games, like we're out there trying to take reps away. We don't want the. I don't want. No one thinks that, really. <laughs> you, you don't seriously? Is that? Are, are you being serious? No, I'm being serious. No one thinks that the refs are out there taking reps. If they do, they should fucking go I think home. Any, they should fucking hang themselves. Any sport has that, you know, belief. You know, and, and especially one thing we don't Like want. you're not doing your job if you don't take reps away. Like, I'm yeah, here to take or reps away. Yeah, or we're just trying to be assholes out there. But the one thing we don't want is, you know, part of the rules of where you should be to influence your fitness. Right. So it's really important to be like, get past this line so they know where they need to be. You know, if, if she stops early, it wasn't because she wasn't fit enough. It was because she just didn't know where to go. So I just wanted to make sure the, she knew where to go. The point of the judges and referees in all sports is to legitimize it. And if there's a bad call, you should know that the ref or the judge is also part of the game. Travis Bajan, a professional arm wrestler, taught me that. When you go to arm wrestle, I've seen you, your documentary. you have to beat your opponent and the judge. And if you don't know that, you're a fucking idiot. And it's, you hear that in MMA all the time, right? When you watch the UFC, mm -hmm. the commentators will be like, hey, man, if you don't want to leave it into the judge's hands, finish it. Fucking knock him out. And it's, and it's the same thing in CrossFit. I don't. Yeah. If Tia would have kept that bell overhead, it wouldn't have been Greg's decision to no repper there. Right. But right. yeah, we had. I had no idea what was going on during that. Other, than, I had no idea how where Tia was behind me. This was. It was the loudest. Did you think I've ever been? Yeah, it was. It was definitely. At one point, I thought it was actually hurting my ears. It was so I, loud. I've been to a Nickelback concert. And it wasn't that loud. <laughs> and it wasn't that loud. So Nickelback came to the box and they gave us tickets. Uh huh. And uh, wow, it was cool. Like you actually know every Nickelback song. You don't necessarily like them, but you know them. Oh, all. I like them. And um, that was probably the second loudest thing. This was the loudest thing. Um, did you? Did you? Were you on the floor when everyone started crying? No, I think after this heat and when they announced Tia. Yeah. No, we were probably backstage at that point. Did you feel the emotion on the floor? Oh yeah, I mean you felt everything when when they were when they announced Tia. I know some of the girls we were with were crying back, and not because they were girls, but they were just more emotional than the guys. Like some of the referees in the back. Yeah, Greg got back there and he was freaking out because he thought he didn't know if he made a good call. So we get back there around the same time, and all the judges just start giving Greg, you know, like a good that was the right call, like reinforcing that he did a good job, and and I think he did. I think. That was a very be tough call to make. Because what was the rule? You had your arms had to be locked out as you crossed the finish line, and you can see it if if you put it back on that that bell comes down prematurely. Um, the, everyone was crying on the floor except for a couple people. I mean, it, I was crying. All the camera operators were crying. It was, I don't even know why. It was intense. At this point, or when Tia was announced? At this point, like just prior, like the the five minutes prior to her and that being announced. Was this the closest finish at the games? I mean, 2008, when you had every second count, so you didn't really know. Oh, yeah, that was pretty close. You didn't, but you didn't really know who won. Right. And, and you didn't know who won here either. 
Yeah, this was nuts. This was absolutely nuts. What was I think what was so crazy about it too is where they finished in this heat relative to everyone is really why no one knew. If it would have been up here, it might have been a different story, but because of where they finished in the heat, mm-hmm. people are just like, We have no idea what's going on. I think I heard Cara Webb say recently, God, I hope I'm not quoting this wrong or misrepresenting this. I think she said basically that she's really happy with the games this year, but that when she wins the games, it's not going to be close like that. Ooh. Did, did either, have either you guys have that, you no. seen video of that? I never have. No, uh, maybe no that, but I want to believe I heard it. Yeah, and, and I really <laughs> like her. She's, a, she's awesome. Mm-hmm. She's a powerhouse. But, man, I, I think it's going to be close again like this. I think Tia is um, has tasted victory and... Boy, it's going to be hard to beat her. And this is kind of crazy too, right? When Dave calls both of them out. Have you seen the documentary? Have you been I've not seen sneak it yet. I'm excited while you're here? Oh, man. It is crazy. You did a really good job with that. Was, unless, was, you're, yeah. unless you're Kara. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess Tittle dodged a bullet. I think we should wrap up and not discuss. Oh. We should just leave it as he's a good dude. <laughs> we should have Tittle on and so just fuck You should him. have Tittle watch it. His wife's going to yeah. take his shoelaces away for the next week. <laughs> <laughs> but we so I'll, I was the fr- I'll, I'll give you this. I was the first one back there. Tittle's in the back room, head down. And everyone's afraid to talk to him. So just so you know, Jason is there was there was not the event we just looked at, but there was an event where um, David Tittle waved Cara Webb across the finish line when she still had three reps left. And it became a little bit like online. I remember watching it later, and people were like, "What happened? What's going on? Is it the judge's fault?" And and I think people don't realize, you know, think about a sport like MMA. There's a handful of decisions to make. Tittle had made. 75 plus decisions during this workout right right every rep we're making a decision was that low enough was that a good rep now that's one event how many events were there this year 13 15 so we're making a lot of calls (laughs) sorry tittle you're about to get tore up i tried i tried i tried to throw you a lifeline no there's nothing to tear him up about you know that's um uh... anybody can make this call and that's what i you know i get back there and i try to break the ice because people are Afraid to talk to him. And I was getting ready to go out and visit Tittle in Colorado with my wife. And I said, look, Tittle, Roz and I spoke about it. We still want to come see you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a good thing to say. And he Did just, re- and yeah, that was a true story. He'll tell you if you remember. Like, you know, he might have been so out of it. but And he starts laughing. You know, and then I can be real. I'm like, you made a mistake, dude. No one's upset with you. Like, it could have been any of us. Just the 4,000 comments on YouTube that say you should go hang yourself. No one cares. Oh, the year before I got smashed on YouTube, I was judging uh, Lucero on that handstand push-up, the ring handstand push-ups. Um, Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, yeah. Is Chris, that, yeah, that's Chris the guy Lucero. you think looks like Lucero. Yeah, nice guy. So we're judging. Very nice guy. I'm judging him on the handstand push-ups, and we're getting smashed on comments on Facebook. And someone's like, that girl's no repping Frazier. And that dude over there is bro rapping Lucero. <laughs> you know, and he was, and then and then he missed a burpee. He was like, he let him get a, he let him cross the finish line with only 19 burpees, and like it's easy to judge. That wasn't, you know, that wasn't true, but um, oh damn, oh god, <laughs> I had judge walking over. 
Uh, Do you think that Matt Fraser gets judged harder because more eyes are on him? No. I think everyone gets judged appropriately and, and the same. Because if I was judging Matt, I'd judge the fuck out of him because I know all the cameras are on me. No. Everyone, honestly, like we're out there. We don't care who we're looking at. We're just looking at, hey, is her hip crease below parallel? Is she standing up all the way? Are arms locked? No. Everyone's getting judged the same. Damn. That was a cool event. Probably my favorite event of the games that year. That and, was- and, the tr- and the truth is is that I don't think it made any difference the fact that he waved her over to the finish line early because she was killing it, and they just basically added a few seconds to her time based on how fast she was doing the previous reps. And uh, and you know who handled it just like a class act? I was there when Adrian Bosman spoke to Carl Webb, and they're like, hey, we're going to add blah, blah, blah seconds to your time. She goes, no problem. Yeah, Boz is working hard all weekend long. And you know who else was really good that Boz said reacted really well was uh, Christian from the games department. He had like the time code like pulled right up and they reviewed it right away like within minutes. Seconds. It, ha- it Seconds. happened fast because I remember watching it later and it was just basically everything else just kept moving. Mm-hmm. They just figured it out on the back end. Yeah, relatively seamless. Well, thank you for doing two podcasts in a row. I want to be your first five-time guest. Wow. That's yeah. a lofty goal. Down wow. the road. Yeah. Wow. I have all I have all these guests that I want to be regulars. Cool. Well, I'd love to force myself into that position. Did, do, you, for, do you think we covered a lot here today? We, oh, my God. We covered so much today. Do you want to review it? <laughs> no. Right. I'll just watch the episode again. Hey, uh, Eric, why don't you cue that up there, buddy? Are you signed up for the Open? I am signed up for the Open. Are you going to do it today or tomorrow? It depends just on the schedule today. I'm definitely not doing it tomorrow. I'll fly to a seminar. But we typically hit him on Saturdays at the seminar. Are so. you taking your chick to your seminar with you? No, she won't come to the seminar. Oh. But that would be bad financial where, where decision. Is, where is the seminar? Jacksonville, Florida, CrossFit, oh. CrossFit Jacks, I think. Yeah, it's Justin's old gym. No, he's Southside. Oh, pardon me. Yeah, you're right. CrossFit Jacks, Chris Russell. Um, the entire time you were here, did you ever flex the black rod? <laughs> <laughs> Right. No, I didn't. Only one. Guest, <laughs> only one guest has flexed the black rod, and he flexed it a lot. Is that hard? Several different times. Oh God! Just in- Who did it? Was it a games athlete? The innuendos are flying right now. Uh, it- Ronnie Teasdale played yeah. with the black rod. Like he's the only one. He flexed it pretty hard, which is pretty cool. You're is welcome. this gonna embarrass? Me? This is hard to flex. No, nah, it's oh, not okay. that bad. I can, fle- I can flex the black rod. Can you go the other way with it? That's my preferred way. <laughs> but, never mind. Is this a functional movement? I have no idea. <laughs> it isn't here. I saw it on Amazon, and so I just, I just had to like. You what know. you saying? It was, it was like a, you could buy it in the back of a comic book. Did I say that? Probably someone said it looks like something from like the 1960s that you could buy in the back of a comic book that would make you buff. But I just saw it on Amazon for like cheap. They were recommending it, and I thought it was funny. Do you use it? Just in here. Yeah, just in here. <laughs> like if like. Like just walk in and flex it a few times, or if you're talking on the phone, just fiddle with it. So it's a, it's a grown man's fiddle fiddle fidget fidget. I've, I've got the golf club. Yeah. And then there's the black rod of death. Yeah. All right, Eric, land the plane. Whoa, here it is.